Hello, and thanks for joining us again on The Hub. My name's Simon Morgan, and I'm Director of Corporate Affairs at RA. There's no doubting that data is one of the most precious commodities of the modern age. You only have to look at the extent to which stories around data protection and hacking abound in news cycles to understand just how integral, valuable data has become to our day-to-day activities. In transport, of course, data offers a world of opportunity to underpin the delivery of services that are more aligned with customer experiences. And when it comes to the management of transport infrastructure and assets, data is a powerful tool that lets us plan and deliver more effectively. But all of this relies on interoperability. If systems can't talk to each other, we will miss out on productivity, safety, and customer experience benefits. And that's where data standards come in. To talk about why they matter, how they can help, and some of the work that Austroads has been doing to prepare and now implement data standards for our national road network, I'm very pleased to be joined by Dr. Sarah Jones, who is Project Director for the Implementation of the Austroads Road Asset Data Standard, or as we're going to occasionally refer to it today, RADS. Sarah, thank you very much for being with us. It's a pleasure, Simon. Thank you for having me. Just before we go into the details of the issue, for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with your own extensive experience in the transport sector, would you mind just briefly outlining for us how you came to be involved in the industry broadly and how that led you to involvement in this project in particular? So I've always been a bit of a transport geek. When I was quite young, I did all of my primary schooling on an island in the Buccaneer Archipelago. which is in the far north of Western Australia. Because we were an island, we were uniquely reliant on supply chains. So almost all of the food and water came in via ship or via air. And when I was in about grade four, we had a strike and that went on for some weeks. And it sticks in my mind because, of course, that compromised the supply chain. And I remember eating a huge amount of fish. My dad had a boat. We ate so much fish, I did not eat fish for literally years. So from a very early age, I was really interested in this question of, well, how does stuff move? How do you make that relationship between a community and the goods that they require secure? And what happens when that relationship breaks down? Yes. And of course, we had a recent example of what that looks like during the pandemic. Yep. And Simon, you would know this. A lot of the government policy communiques in the space were explicit about that link between supply chain certainty and social cohesion. So that's really my interest in the space. So I've been in transport now for about 20 years. I've held roles within Toll Group, the National Transport Commission, the Western Australian Department of Transport, and I'm now the Managing Director of Driven. So I'm in the very fortunate space of being engaged with lots of meaty, challenging supply chain infrastructure challenges. So when Austro's approached me and asked if I wanted to be a part of the road asset data standard implementation, that was a pretty definitive yes from me. Excellent. 
For sure. Well, you know, you're very well prepared for a, a challenge on this scale. Um, we'll get into the development and the operation of the standard in a few moments. But just taking a step back first, I think it might be helpful to provide the listeners with some context. So we talked about interoperability in the introduction, but let's flesh that out a little bit. What's the essence of the problem that we're trying to solve through the development of the standard? Well, I'm pretty sure, Simon, that your listeners, better than anybody, have a solid sense of how vital roads are in this country. We have disparate towns and centres, far-flung populations. So we've got more than our fair share of challenges in terms of connecting people, connecting goods. So by international standards, Australians are extraordinarily reliant on our road network. 26,000 tonne kilometres of goods is moved for every single Australian annually. That's very high. And roads, of course, also carry the bulk of passengers moving around the country. So from every facet that you care to look at it, economically, socially, in terms of health, this is a vital, vital asset. And it's interesting to me that we have this vital asset but up until recently didn't have a common language mm. in which to describe it, to quantify it, to compare it. And of course, when you don't have that basic nomenclature, it's really hard to be certain that in a policy sense, you're comparing apples with apples, yes. oranges with oranges. You know, imagine a situation in which every airport had its own unique code or lexicon guiding how pilots were going to make a safe entry. Pardon the pun, but that just wouldn't fly. No, no. And yet we have in some ways delayed or not prioritised creating this language for roads. So I think it's extraordinarily timely and it's going to have benefits that are so far-reaching. We know we've got some really difficult infrastructure decisions to make. If we've got more precision of language and understanding about this thing that we're trying to invest in, that can only be for the public policy good. Absolutely. Okay, so now that we've sort of defined the challenge a little bit, let's look at the process that's led up to where we are today. Now, at the risk of stating the obvious, developing a standard isn't a quick or simple exercise, uh, and the RADS project has already been a lengthy one. Uh, your recent article, which we published in RA Insider, uh, in that you touched on the extensive nature of the development process, which I think goes back to about 2016. Could you perhaps step us through some of that consultation? What types of organisations were involved and what were some of the issues and concerns that were revealed that you knew you had to address in order to build support for the standards? As you rightly point out, the standards have been some years in the making and I can take no credit for their research or development. That was devised by people with infinitely more knowledge about the road as a material entity than I will ever have. I'm not an engineer or a surveyor and I don't pretend to have that expertise. But Osroads has a assets task force, which includes people who do have that expertise and are very well versed in roads from an engineering and policy perspective. So they spent many years creating 
the standards. And again, they weren't starting from scratch. There are some pretty well-recognised and credible international standards in the asset management space on which they could build. But there was for years a pretty robust exchange about how certain things should be defined, what standards should be in, what should be out. So that debate had already been had um, by the time my team and I were engaged late last year. So the standards themselves for the moment are a settled, well-researched, credible entity. And we're really here to make the case for their widespread adoption and usage. After that a long lead time, and as we say, it is a very, very significant project, uh, you got to launch the standards in October of last year, which would have been a massive milestone, obviously, but that's far from the end of the process. So, Sarah, I just wonder if you could touch on the types of data measures incorporated in the standard, and I know there's literally hundreds, but just to sort of top line it for our listeners, what types of information does RADS encompass? I I want to echo your sentiments that the launch of version 4 really was a significant moment. I understand that people hear a term like road asset data standard and it sounds quite dry and dull, so it can be difficult to really get excited about that and what it means. So look, full credit to Austroads and all the members that were involved in that process. So the standards themselves consist of 988 different data measures. So those 988 standards are divided up into 14 different functional groups. Mm -hmm. And all of them take a slightly different lens in terms of how they approach and appraise the road. So some of them are very much around road condition, around asset performance, around volume of users, but also, I guess, less quantifiable elements of the road, like, for example, risk elements mm-hmm. and resilience. You know, how quickly can that particular road bounce back from adversity? And we've been seeing recently with floods and various challenges Mm. of that nature, you know, the central importance of being able to get these assets. It's increasingly Um, relevant, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So the standard really takes a very broad and multifaceted look. It's not just dryly economic. It's about, Mm. you know, the social importance of these roads to human beings. I mean, 988 separate data measures is a lot. No one realistically expects that road managers are going to be able to rush out and collect whatever of this data they might not currently have. So we appreciate it's an incremental process. And our belief is that the case for a universal language is pretty hard to argue with. I think philosophically most people would look at that and say, Actually, that is a really good idea. I could see the sense in that from a public policy perspective. It's the how of how you make it happen in an environment that's not mandated. Yes. Government's taken the decision that it will be voluntary and will be nudging and encouraging people into adoption. So that makes for its its own challenges because mm. we know local councils, gosh, they do – an extraordinary amount of work. Sometimes 
not always in the most resourced of environments. Mm. Yes, especially in, in some of those areas, you know, where you do have the flooding and things like that, they're often in remote areas and they're not well-resourced councils very often. Absolutely. And I think we're increasingly recognising that perhaps in the past, the methodologies that we've used to appraise a road, and I'm particularly thinking about cost-benefit analysis, the way that methodology works, it inherently prioritises high-volume, high-population areas. Yes. But of course, that doesn't really tell us very much about the social function of what might be the only road in and out of a particular community. For that community and what surrounds them, that road is beyond vital. Yes. I mean, we saw, you're coming to us from Western Australia today, Sarah, and we saw some fairly stark examples of that um, earlier this year with the with the Kimberley and the floods up in that region. Absolutely, yes. And, you know, staring down the barrel of, of a cyclone again in the north of the state, in the Northern Territory, this may well be our new normal. Yes. So now we've sort of outlined the types of information and just how vast the information that, that's being gathered. The challenge becomes how best to share that amongst some of those people we talked about, road asset managers, owners, and other appropriate parties. So Sarah, I know that's been a big focus for Austroads as part of the project, um, and a knowledge sharing platform is being developed in association with the standards. Are you able to explain how that will work and and without giving away too many secrets, when that's likely to be online? Yes, I can. You used the word earlier, interoperability. And I think that's a really important word in this context. So we have lots of road managers in this country, principally at the local council level, who collect data about the roads that they own and manage. But that data is not available to other local councils to learn from in many instances, nor for big pay policy advisors to extract and learn from. So we've essentially got got two challenges. The first is that the data that is collected tends to be in discrete silos. And secondly, we don't currently have a mechanism to extract share and leverage from what is in those silos. Right. So Osroads came up with the idea of a knowledge sharing platform. The idea is that this would be a freely accessible, cloud-based and secure platform in which local councils could store their data and that there would be a means of ensuring that the data that they were putting into the knowledge sharing platform was checked against the codes used in the road asset data standard to make sure that it did indeed accurately reflect the data measures. So that functionality is built into the knowledge sharing platform. Once that information is uploaded, there's some pretty nifty things that councils can do with it. So the functionality at the moment includes the ability to run some performance visualisations. So you can see a diagrammatic representation of your performance against certain areas. One of them that we know is is particularly important is around pavement cracking. Right. We're also building functionality 
designed to automate some of the statutory reporting that falls to road managers in the Mm -hmm. hope that we can reduce the resources that are heading in that direction. And then, of course, once we've got the data, I mean, that's the jewel in the crown. Once you've got that data, and if you have it in an environment where it's shareable, that's where you can start doing that meaningful work of comparing the apples with apples in asking those big questions about why is this particular road manager over here able to maintain their road at such a high level of integrity at a comparatively lower cost? What are they doing? What can we learn from that? That's the neat stuff that you get to do. Yeah, the knowledge knowledge sharing is the real power in it. That's right. And I think, look, ultimately, once you've got this data, then you can get into that space of best practice analysis. Hmm. Who's doing it best? How do we learn from it? And when you've got good, credible data, as we mentioned at the start, you are infinitely better positioned to make difficult, complicated choices about investment. Okay. Well, that's uh, certainly going to excite a few of our listeners, particularly some of those uh, involved with some of those less resourced councils, I suspect, that we talked about a little earlier. Mm. Um, Just coming on to the question of implementation, obviously road asset managers and other parties have existing asset management systems that they've invested in already. Will they need to upgrade those systems to derive the benefits of the standards and the knowledge sharing platform, or is it something that they'll be able to use in concert with systems they already have? Look, we understand and appreciate that oftentimes systems grow organically over time and they could well be working for the parties that are using them. We have no intention of coming in and directing that all that must stop and this is now the system that you use. Instead, what we're suggesting is two things. First of all, If you are at the point where you're looking to upgrade a system or invest in something else, come and talk to us. Let us help you build your new system from the ground up, speaking the language of the road asset data standard. Yes. The second thing that we're proposing is if you have your data and you're quite happy with the system that you're using, come to us and let us help you extract that data and load it up into the knowledge sharing platform and leverage from some of the data analytical abilities it has that you might not have. And if I might use a cliche, sort of participate in a bigger nation building conversation. Yes. yes. Excellent. No, nation nation building is a very important thing, even if it's a phrase we hear used a lot. Sarah, look, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Obviously, developing and implementing this standard has been a complex exercise, but you've been able to explain it really clearly and in a way that I think is going to spark a lot of interest from a lot of our listeners. So just before we go... Uh, If our listeners do have further questions or are looking for more detail about things like how the knowledge sharing platform will work, what's the best place for them to get more of that information? Well, look, in the first instance, I suggest typing into your browser Austroads Road Asset Data Standard. That will take you to a web page with further information. And importantly, you will find our email address there. Please, if you are a road manager, 
and this is of interest to you, don't hesitate to reach out. We have no illusions. When I say we, me and my project team, we have no illusions that we have all of the answers and we know exactly what it is that road managers need and want. We are heavily reliant on the advice, goodwill and information sharing of Australia's road managers. So please reach out to us. We, we want to hear what you've got to say. Fantastic. And in our own contribution to uh, the art of knowledge sharing, Sarah, we will share those links and details in the uh, show notes for this episode as well. So uh, if, if listeners are looking for that information, there'll be clickable links there as well. Sarah, once again, thank you for joining us and all the best for your ongoing consultations with industry as the implementation of the standard continues. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sarah. And that's it for this edition of The Hub. If you didn't get a chance to see Sarah's recent article in RA Insider, the link to it is also included in this episode description, and you're also able to find it in the news section of the RA website, roads.org.au. Also, just a quick reminder that time is fast running out for you to register for RA's 2023 Transport Summit in Sydney on the 27th of April. Tickets are still available on our website. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back with another episode soon. Mm-hmm.